Welcome to Future Extraordinaire. I'm Amit Mira, President of Asia Pacific and Japan and Global Digital Cities with Dell Technologies. And I'm Daniel Margie, VP of Presales, also with Dell Technologies. We are optimists, we love technology, and we believe future is amazing. We are helping to uncover the opportunities and possibilities, the skill and talent that are needed, and the progress that we can drive with the technology, data, and the indomitable human spirit. And with industry leaders, subject matter experts, and influencers joining us as guests, we will deep dive into the latest, coolest technologies, discuss new realities, the impact on Asia Pacific region, and provide refreshing perspectives. We want a future that is full of hope, that is fair and just, a future that is extraordinary. Danny and I are excited to have with us on this podcast someone we highly admire. She challenges stereotypes and is a dreamer and a doer. So Siu Chu, Managing Director, Group Head of Consumer Banking, Big Data, AI Technology, and DBS Bank uh, at Singapore. So welcome to the podcast, Siu Chu. With that, let me switch over to um, you know, the business side. Um, certainly, we talked a lot about leadership, uh, about engagement, diversity, inclusion, culture, um, you know, but now we want to talk about, you know, what you do uh, at the bank. And um, let's talk by um, digital banking. So, first of all, congratulations again. You know, DBS was named the best bank in the world for 2020, um, third year in a row. So that's fantastic. There's so many accolades. I would probably fill the whole podcast with that. But um, how do you use technology uh, as a game changer, you know? Uh, it's a, it has been a great enabler all along. So, and and uh, But how do you use to create the new outcomes, new experiences, new business models for for your consumers where, where um, you know, and, and, and how do you uh, change the context of what the banking might be considered or what digital bank banking might be able to do? So... I'm interested in how each technology is used as a game changer in your industry. Yep, thanks, uh, Amit. Actually, uh, it comes um, with us, you know, the vision from from our CEO and the board uh, many years ago. Um, yeah. So in in 2014, actually, our CEO um, came to the realization that um, you know our competitors are not the banks anymore. Our competitors are the other companies who are using uh, a lot of technology or, you know, the tech companies. So, you know, I think the key thing is not about the leveraging of technology. The key thing is about looking at things from a technology point of view, uh, especially from a cultural perspective. So I think that has been a key differentiating factor because I think everyone can use technology, but uh, to actually act and uh, work like a technology company where you you know, emphasize great customer experience. Uh, you have a agile culture. You experiment things, and uh, you actually, uh, you know, invest for the long term. That those are the key things that actually I think differentiates uh, DBS and uh, actually make make us, uh, you know, actually recognize from a best bank perspective um, in the last couple of years. Um, so you know, uh, we spent a lot of effort to ensure that. On whatever that we do, we focus on customer experience first. So we have a de- dedicated design team that goes through, you know, 
how many clicks the customer should uh, should be going through to get something done. We have actually all the analytics that uh, we are tracking in terms of you know where our customer uh, are facing problem when they are using uh, every single um, digital asset that we are giving out to them. We look at these uh, details uh, almost every week at, at the senior management level. Uh, we look at all the feedback from the customer on our app store, for example. We track the rating of our app uh, all the time and all the, we take action on all the feedbacks. So that is uh, around the customer centricity. I think the, the other piece is around uh, the culture. I think, you know, we can use all sorts of technology. We can use, you know, the, you can say that you can use uh, this public cloud, that public cloud, uh, you know, but all those uh, actually doesn't um, do much if you don't have a proper uh, culture that is going to embrace uh, uh, moving fast and, uh, you know, creating uh, good quality products. So the agile culture is a very important part and we spend a lot of time to ensure that um, you know the be, between the business and the tech, there is no silo in between, and that uh, we are organized in a autonomous uh, teams so that we can move fast. Uh, move fast doesn't mean uh, break things. Move fast and uh, actually do everything um, with high quality. So that uh, that is another key things that uh, we we emphasize on. And and lastly, the ability to um, experiment and uh, take some risks and fail and learn from that. Uh, is another key thing that uh, help us in our agenda. That's a, thank you for sharing a lot of that. Um, when I think about the, the many organizations out there that are trying to go through this change that one would argue DBS has been on a journey for and, and doing quite well at, if you walked into a 100-year-old you know, banking customer or could be a telco and you you saw that they were you know not embracing some of those some of those things what would be some of the steps you would take to kind of coach say for example the board or the ceo to to start making these incremental moves on the journey because organizations all have different maturity in adopting some of these capabilities and they often struggle they see these these unicorns like the startups but here you are, DBS, you're, you know, a, a bank that's got traditional systems and so forth in there. How, how did you make that shift and what kind of guidance and coaching would you give uh, another customer if you were talking to them? I think the, the support and the vision from the board and the C-suite is the number one, I think. Um, you know, and this comes from the fact that uh, I think they are personally exposed to some of the uh, disruptor in the industry. I mean, we, we talk about, you know, when uh, we look at Alibaba and some of the other big uh, disruptors out there, uh, we look at what they do and we realize that actually, you know, these are our new competitors and uh, we have to match up to that. So, so that, that I think is a key thing. Um, you know, I personally like uh, a book called Exponential Organization. Uh, it is by this author called Salim Ismail. Um, he used to be part of the faculty of the Singularity University. He talked, he, in that book, actually, he shared uh, how a company can create an exponential business model. And when, you know, actually this book we, we gave to many of our business leaders. And upon reading that book, um, I think a lot of them realized that, you know, the business model need fundamental uh, change. Uh, the, the traditional banking business model need fundamental change. And uh, that uh, has been uh, some of the journey that uh, we are going through. And because those, in, in, you know, those uh, companies that is actually shared uh, in that book, you know, they are real companies and they are the company that are currently disrupting uh, most of the industries. So coming up with a real example is, is quite important. And, and what do you think the, the, the role, I mean, a lot of people are afraid about 
you know, how this level of AI and automation will will reduce the jobs and the opportunity. And there are a lot of, you know, technophobia out there, you know, looking at the movies like Terminator and others. What's your, what's your thoughts on the future of AI in context of job creation and or the future of, uh, you know, how our society might look like? I think AI will never be able to take away the 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 role uh, of human uh, in the areas that uh, you know that involve uh, you know so for example emotion uh, um, truly uh, I would say that AI can be used as a supplement uh, it will never fully 100% replace uh, the the human um, and actually in in an organization how to get um, get rid of this fear of uh, progress or leverage of technology I think is via um, your ability to reskill your people, uh, and actually for for DBS, this is something that we are quite proud of because you know we we rarely uh, make anybody uh, re- redundant because we we see that everybody can be reskilled as long as you are willing. Uh, the organization is willing to give you the opportunity and also the support in terms of retraining and whatsoever to uh, give you the new skill. So you know if if your job is uh, replaced by uh, technology, and I think I think uh, this gives the confidence to all the people that um, to, to make, make them very willing in terms of exploring ideas to to simplify things and uh, and and to actually embrace technology. And and how do you see you know the the banking industry changing? Um, it's a long tail in terms of banking industry in terms of technology adoption or AI uses. You have been among the leaders. So what's your view on the landscape of technology uses in banking and how some of the other banks might be responding to it or leveraging it? How do you see the banking industry in general in terms of use of technology? I think actually banking has always been a big user of technology. And that's the reason even two decades ago when I tried to find a job, I got a job as a programmer in banking because banking has been one of the big investors in technology. Essentially, I would say that banking is a technology business because banking does not manufacture anything except services right? to move some numbers and digits around. So that essentially banking is a tech industry. How banking will evolve in the future, I would say that just like now everyone says that uh, every industry is a technology industry. But I can also say actually every industry or every company is trying to be uh, uh, banking, trying to provide banking services. Every company is trying to provide payment services. Every company is trying to, you know, um, provide uh, uh, kind of... uh, FX and and so on and so forth. So the the banking industry itself will will not um, actually will not be the same anymore. Uh, it is being uh, disintermediated uh, as we speak. And you know we have seen this um, across different spectrum of the banking domain uh, in investment banking. Uh, many of these things happened uh, decades ago and and continue to happen uh, in the in the same way as uh, as innovation and things uh, continue. So you know banking industry will, will never look the same anymore because uh, with the current landscape where many of the tech companies are becoming payment providers and all that, uh, you know, um, the line between banking versus tech uh, is actually uh, being blurred. So speaking of disruptive technologies and capabilities, in November of 2008, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto-san uh, posted a research paper on obscure cryptography listserv describing the design for the new digital currency known as Bitcoin. 
And uh, I'm sure you know the story from there. It's uh, turned into uh, what was a, uh, a, you know, who is this Nakamoto, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto person? Does he even exist? And uh, even today, he's still unknown to many people. But what it created was Bitcoin, which is now turned into uh, the use of blockchain technology being used for many distributed ledgers around the world. Are you seeing, a pre- not only, I'm sure you don't know, or maybe if you know any secrets about knowing where Nakamoto-san actually is, that would be great. But if not, uh, how are you seeing emerging technologies like blockchain come in and disrupt the banking sector? I think, you know, um, there is a huge uh, promise in terms of this uh, technology. Uh, the fact that you can have a distributed ledger uh, and you can have a decentralized um, environment that uh, and the removal of middlemen uh, that is a perfect kind of uh, framework for efficiency and uh, speed right so I think there is a lot of promise in this uh, technology but having said that I think you know the efficiency of this technology uh, still have some way to go uh, the widespread adoption by uh, all the players in the market is required for this to become uh, you know to be used as skill and to become uh, feasible so I think we are still in the middle of all this uh, maturation uh, curve that uh, we, we are not yet there. But I think, you know, once we reach the curve, uh, uh, the end of the curve, whereby, you know, it is uh, adopted uh, in a widespread way that, uh, you know, you need, uh, it, it is more efficient to leverage this uh, this architecture framework, um, then I think, you know, it, it will bring about huge efficiency to everything. I think all the middlemen, the, the cost of processing anything uh, and the time taken will be shortened by, you know, I think it is a kind of um, uh, leapfrogging of the, the protocol rather than a step change. I, I want to talk about another um, topic that is close to my heart, which is we're going through, you know, fourth industrial revolution. And just like any other revolution, there are winners and there are people who get left behind. Now, I know Singapore government is trying to do a lot to improve the digital skills in the nation. But if you stand back and look at this, how do we get a better digital skills, be it in school, colleges, and other places, so the society is is able to adapt to this new data era or digital transformation, as some of us call it? I think, um, you know, it is already happening as we speak. Uh, just like mathematics uh, is a compulsory subject for all schools at all levels, I think the computer skill, uh, the machine learning skill, hopefully in the future, will become a kind of a commodity subject that is made mandatory to, you know, for 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 all levels in terms of uh, education. But so once you have this widespread uh, knowledge amongst all the people, then you you really can uh, create a environment whereby skills is available and hence you you. You don't uh, face a lot of the shortage that we we face today. I mean, uh, in terms of doing a lot of the things we want to do, the key talents uh, is one of the big uh, gap that we have to contend with, right? So I think you know it starts from the school. If the, if if people are all uh, educated and uh, trained, then uh, you can you can actually magnify the use of te- technology in in a much more bigger scale. I want to pick up something else you mentioned that everyone is trying to be a bank or everyone is trying to provide payment or banking services. So there's a whole concept of finance as a service or a banking as a service or a payment as a service, you know, 
With microservices and API revolution, everyone can use Stripe to go make the payments anywhere to anywhere. You know, be it WhatsApp, just sending money is as simple as as a, as a chat. And of course, in China, WeChat has and WePay has revolutionized the entire banking model. And of course, the Ant Group is setting new standards in terms of um, valuation and the and the convenience. So, can you give me some views on how you see finance as a service and how well, how mature it is, and 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 how much uh, how much of this you're offering to your own other uh, commercial customers so they can call on this finance as a service or a bank as a service so that way this is seamless all the services are embedded in their core processes and systems yeah i think this is part and parcel of our slogan called live more bank less actually so we want to make sure that uh, we are embedding ourselves within our partner uh, and ecos- and their ecosystem such that um, the interaction uh, between uh, their customer and the bank is uh, seamless and we are hidden behind uh, everything. So, so for example, you know, for DBS, uh, we, we have the partnership with the property marketplace, uh, car marketplace, even education, tuition, and so on, uh, whereby DBS uh, is the, the bank behind. Uh, for, for the corporate customer, you know, for example, if you buy uh, an ERP solution for your company, um, the the ERP solution comes with uh, DBS as the bank uh, in that package, right? So these are some of the example. I think how we can provide banking as a service. So banking is just an API call away uh, for for our clients actually. That's great. Um, so my final question: um, How is technology helping people and the community with the banking? So in other words. On one hand, you have a completely API-driven, anyone can call, anyone can do. On the other hand, there are folks who will struggle with technology, communities that need to put the savings and take care of it. So how do you work on the both sides? One, you need to be very accessible, and second, you need to innovate on, on the top end. So how do you drive technology to improve the accessibility while you're driving innovation and, and being at the cutting edge? I think uh, we spend a lot of effort with our customers, whether it is the, the layman on the street or our corporate SME customer or the small, uh, medium-sized uh, pop sh- uh, mom-pop shop that is out there in terms of uh, helping them to, 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 op- to, to adopt the technology so that uh, you know, it can be part and parcel of uh, what they do every day. So the, the enablement of our customer is a big part of our agenda and hope, we hope with this effort that uh, you know, nobody will be left behind. Yeah, that's a great point. In fact, uh, one question I wanted to ask you, which was you talked about how AI could introduce biases into decision-making that are being automated or decision support system that is being used by humans. And this topic has gotten a lot of media attention as well. Um, could you share with us your own experience about the biases in the AI that you may have put in place? And what is the best example of an AI that you have put into production that, and what sort of benefit it has driven? I think at DBS, uh, we are very mindful uh, around the, you know, the fairness of uh, all the AI models that we are employing. Um, actually, the bank has a framework we call PIO uh, that stands for, you know, I think, you know, the uh, pur- purposeful, understandable, you know, respectful, and, and so on and so forth. And I think the, the E actually sp- stands for explainable. Um, so 
every model that we deploy actually uh, goes through this framework that ensures the fairness of uh, the model and that every decision that we make in terms of granting a certain uh, certain um, you know say loans or whatsoever or credit card and all that uh, can be explained so it is not just for one particular uh, product but is is across the board actually and any any example of ai that has and what kind of efficiency or benefit it has driven so far in production so actually um, the the pervasive leverage of ml and ai has been a uh, one of our top top priority in the in the last uh, couple of years, and um, you know some some examples I can I can give that uh, hopefully I, you know we, we have got a lot of good feedback from our clients. Uh, if you are clients of DBS in in Singapore, you will find that uh, since last year, uh, you you will find some prompts in terms of uh, you know your upcoming uh, bills and also the the patterns of uh, transaction that you have, as well as you know the um, the payments that you were the, you 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 would have been making, uh, you know, all of these we wish to provide the so-called concierge service to our customer to using AI to to predict what kind of transaction you sh you might need to be make uh, to be make making right so that uh, you know we make a financial management uh, a seamless uh, journey uh, for all our customer. So we have got a lot of great feedback from our customer after the launch of this particular product. Uh, which is, you know, is not a chargeable product, but uh, the whole aim of this product is to, you know, reduce the burden of our customer in terms of managing their finances. That is so great. That is great to see. And of course, you are a dreamer and a doer and a great leader and certainly inspirational leader who has, who's inspiring next generation of, um, you know, girls and, uh, and, and the women to really think about technology at the top choice. And you're within technology, you're working in banking and in, in working in AI. So it's a lot for us to learn. I'm, I hope all our listeners have learned a lot. Um, I certainly wanted to say thank you to you, Suchu. And certainly there is a there is a lot that, uh, that we can take away from this. I certainly took away a lot. Now, in the case of additional resources, uh, we'll, we'll publish that. What resources can you have? But I wanted to say thank you, Suchu, for joining us today. And it was a great, great, great podcast. And uh, I appreciate your time. And I appreciate our partnership in the business as well. Thank you. Thank you very much, Amit. Thank you. And congratulations again on the being named as one of the SG100 women, which is the list where 100 top women within Singapore are, are listed in that. So congratulations again for that. This is great. And uh, thanks, everyone, for joining another episode of Future Extraordinaires. Remember to live more and bank less. And not forget to rate our show, uh, subscribe to our channel, and please share with your friends uh, where they can come and learn about what the, f the possibilities of the future may be. Thanks again.